Hello and welcome to the Girls Run Club, the podcast for run-happy women who need a little help finding their stride. Hi everyone and welcome to the Girls Run Club. This podcast is intended for the everyday runner who might be looking for some relatable insight into the world of running. In preparation for my first marathon, I will be here asking all of the questions we learner runners might need answered. In this series, I will be joined by various guests from every corner of the running community to discuss all things running. Now, let's break down all of those fancy running terms discuss the highs and the lows and get stuck in to the next episode of the Girls Run Club. Today we are joined by a person I am very inspired by and I know she'll feel a bit funny about me saying that. I first met Kirsten after peeling her off an ice-covered pavement during a long run club. I knew instantly that she was my kind of person when she was less concerned of any broken bones than she was about holing our new Lululemon leggings. Kirsten, also known as Glasgow Marathon Mum on social media, is truly one of the most relatable, down-to-earth people you'll meet, and this is echoed on her social platform. I look up to Kirsten not just as a runner, but as a person who is very open and honest about her running journey. I'm so excited to have Kirsten on the podcast today. I feel very privileged. So are you ready to get started? Yeah, yeah, that was very kind and yeah, wouldn't be an introduction without a fall. It was just the way after you were like, oh no, I'm a hold my new leggings. These were so expensive. Most expensive pair of leggings I've ever bought. And um, yeah, they are awful pricey. But yeah, after that fall that you had, we managed to get chatting, which was so nice. So your fall it broke the ice quite literally. Yes. <laughs> I think we only ran with each other for about half an hour or something like that. But I remember thinking, I need to ask Kirsten to come on my podcast. She'd be so, so good. And I've snapped you up before anyone else has got, because you've never done one before, have you? No, this is my first one. So yeah, I'm a a little nervous. (laughs) I know, you shouldn't be though. You shouldn't be. Honestly, you're the perfect addition to the podcast. It was obviously Alison that I had on a couple of weeks ago. And I know you're a very, very, very good friend. She was like, yes, I totally agree. You need to ask her. She'd be so good. (laughs) Before every podcast, I do my research. I will go and ask people who know you. Is there anything that I could maybe bring up that you think might be really quite interesting? And of course, I asked you. So I have, I have some, I have some intel. I'm worried about who you ask now. <laughs> <laughs> no, you shouldn't be because it was all very, very, very good things. But what I usually do at the very beginning is I kind of give you the floor a little bit, even a brief kind of timeline from when you started running to where you are now? I started running probably about 20 years ago, which seems like a long time. But when I say I started running, I probably started in the same way that most people start running, which is a a couple of cream eggs today. So better go and run for an hour tonight. Um, it It was very much like that. So I wouldn't say I was running properly um it was probably for the wrong reasons so I ran off and on but it would tend to be an obsessive six months block of running 
all very focused on weight loss and then that becomes unsustainable and then you go the other way and back and forward. So quite a lot of yo-yo back and forward. And to be honest, I never really like got the bug for it. Like I, I did it because I felt like I had to and I hated the gym. So I preferred to run in the gym, but I didn't necessarily, you know, like any of them. Only, I think maybe about 10 years ago, maybe nine, 10 years ago, um, it was a colleague in work had actually asked me to take part in an Edinburgh Marathon Relay. And I hadn't done anything like that before where there was a bit of competition, friendly competition. And I actually really liked the competition. So for the first time, it wasn't, a, oh, I'm running to lose weight here or running to burn off that extra cream egg. It was, I'm running because I need to get X time as part of this team. Mm-hmm. Kind of flipped a switch for me a little bit and I really, really enjoyed that side of things. So I joined a running club um, just to try and get a little bit faster. Um, I joined the Shelton Harriers, which was utterly terrifying. So if anyone knows that group, you'll know they're all really, really quick runners. So that was probably the most terrifying thing I've ever done. But I did see improvement like really, really quickly. And then I went off, had my little one, didn't really run for about a year. Then started falling back into the old oh, you need to shift the baby weight. And I could feel myself going back down some dangerous paths again um, and just kind of wanted to make a change. So that's when I, out of the blue, decided I'm just going to run a marathon. And it'll give me, you know, something to focus on other than my weight. Yeah, It was something else to focus on. And honestly, like, after doing my first marathon block and my first marathon, I just, like, completely fell in love with it. It just completely changed my entire relationship with running. Nothing else, I would say, no other race or distance has really got me like the marathon. Right. And what was your first marathon? Edinburgh. Same as me. Yes. yes. <laughs> so it's a good one for your first one. It's nice and flat. And obviously, if you're from Scotland, it's local. You don't have all the logistical nightmare around it and the travelling before it because that can really take its toll as well um, just the stress around the travelling so um, yeah you'll enjoy it you'll have a good time it's a good one to do for your first one do you know what a lot of people have said to me oh no it's a, like, it's a really tedious course so it is boring at points so I did definitely find there was a, a long stretch in the middle where you're doing that out and back and I'll be honest I was quite bored at certain points but that's where I run with the music anyway right so I love it I think that's where you need to be quite good at just zoning out you know and letting your mind go somewhere else which to be honest that's the thing I like about the marathon you can just like totally be inside your own head away in a world that I know your own and yeah so I would just be prepared for that I think if I didn't have music and I was relying on the atmosphere around about me in Edinburgh I would have struggled because I've hyped it up for that part to be so bad can't be any worse than what I think it's going to be. It's not as bad, yeah. It's kind of like, I always um, compare it to, it's, it's like when you think about labour, you know, when you're pregnant and you've got all this like built up in your head. It's like you'll never know, right, until you do it. But the reality is you'll get through it, right? Like everybody gets through it. And the fact that people keep going back and doing it over and over again, it can't be that bad, right? So you'll be totally fine. can't remember who it was that said to me, on the way out of that out and back, like you're you feel great, and then you go and do that out and back, and you come back like a changed person, like absolutely fucked after it. Yeah, the back is because as well. So on the day that I did Edinburgh, it literally was. I know they make jokes about this in Scotland about you getting all seasons in the one day, but it literally happened. So 
at the start, it was like torrential rain. Everybody was standing covered in black bags. I had a hat on. I had loads of layers on. And I was soaking like proper soaked right through before we even started. Then about eight miles in, the sun came out and you could literally see the steam coming off everybody because they were so wet and then the sun came out. So at this point, everyone's just stripping off layers and just like chucking stuff all over the place. And then on the way back, it's that stretch where it's quite exposed as well. And we had like gale force winds. And it was just at that point, I had completely, I had a goal time in mind. And at that point, I think I got to mile 19 and I thought, forget it. Like, you just need to keep putting one foot in front of the other and battling against this wind. So yeah, the, the way back was slightly different. But a marathon's always like that in the second half. Your first half, because if you've done, if you've trained well, your first half is, is probably going to feel like an easy run to a certain extent. So, um, you know, that's like your warm-up. Your first 30 minutes is, is your warm-up. So it's going to feel like that anyway. I don't think that's um, specific to Edinburgh. To be honest, I've done a marathon. I've, done, I've, I've felt like a completely different person in the, the last 10 miles or so. I wanted to ask you, and I'm going to ask you now because I might not get it in elsewhere if we don't I've been thinking lately is it supposed to feel easy for the first half do you know what I mean like because I'm looking at my marathon pace thinking I don't think that would be easy for me for even the first half but I get worried that I'm like running the first half and I'm like oh this is actually getting a bit difficult already it's that way where you're like how am I supposed to feel when I'm running it okay so what I would say is so I felt exactly the same as you when I was running my first marathon. So I had a colleague um, that's also a friend who was helping me with coaching. So he was helping me with my training plans and he would set my marathon paced sessions um, like midweek. And I remember the week before the marathon, I did 5K at my planned marathon pace. And I remember thinking I was like struggling there. Like literally I was like not able to breathe. It was 5K marathon pace. How would I ever run over 42K at that pace? And he kept saying, just just trust the process. Trust me, trust me. And I'm thinking, you're at it. You know, this is literally going to blow up on the day. And it was 100% right. It, it's, it's the weirdest thing. You do need to really trust the training, right? If you've done the work. And on the day, it did feel like my first 14 miles felt completely effortless, even though the week before I'd run 5K at that pace and it felt so difficult. And I've done, so I've done six marathons now. And I would say all bar one has been like that. I've had one marathon where from the outset, my marathon pace, there was something way off, right? And I know now, because I've done six and that was one out of six, which gave me the fear a little bit. Um, and to be honest, if that was my first, I don't know if I would have ever done it again. But I think that was quite a unique experience. And there was definitely must have been something else going on that day. I think I just right. had a bad day. But generally, the rest, the first half have felt easy. So, and I'm sure the more people you speak to, marathon pace feels really hard in training. But just trust the process. If you put the work in, it, it will come together. So just just have some confidence. I've already done that thing where I'm like, okay, no, that's not gonna not gonna happen. Like I need to rejig the time. However, I've not done that. I'm sticking with the original one, and I'm going to try and trust the process. Do you know what you're best doing? So I did I did the opposite. So during my Edinburgh, my initial, so Edinburgh, because it was my first, I had in my head, I want to do sub four. And then about four to five weeks out, I decided, no, I'm going for 3.45, right? 
So I had the opposite. But what gave me that confidence was I'd built in some races in the lead up to it, right? So like a half marathon, like six weeks out and a couple other races. And then looking at those times and looking at your, you know, the comparable marathon times, it could give you a bit of a confidence. So I would definitely, I, I think that's a good way to do it. And I still do that now, whereas I'll build in some races just to kind of test where I am and it, it, it'll help you be confident with, with your pace in the day. So I'm glad you've said that because I have done that. So I'm going to do Alawa half. Yeah. That's on the 17th of March. I've not raced for a, for a while, so I want to just see what I'm capable of. It's so hard, and I think you'll maybe understand this because a little birdie has told me that you're quite competitive. <laughs> a lot of people will say, don't put the pressure on, but then also a little bit in me, and I have got that in there, I'm like, no, but I want to do it. Yeah, it's it's hard. The competitive is hard because it does, I think for a while, I, I strayed over into, I'm very competitive, but got to the point where... It was like taking over the joy of it to the point where if I didn't get a certain time or if I wasn't progressing in a way that I thought in my head I should be, I was rubbish. It was this, it was that, you know, it just, you know, and some, I think only probably recently I've I've cut myself a bit of slack. Um, it's good to have goals. You need to have something to aim towards. I usually now try and have like an A, B, C, D goal. Some people have a different, they say, no, you should only have one, but I think it's quite good. You don't know what's going to happen in the day, right? Weather, sickness, injury, anything leading up to it. So it's good to have that range so that you're not... When I did Edinburgh, I was very fixated on it's this one goal or nothing. And then I come away really disappointed. The first one? First one, yeah. So my original goal was four hours. And then I changed it to 3.45. And I ran 3.45.07 and was absolutely fuming. Do you know what? It's just insane. That's like a crazy time for your first marathon, though, isn't it? And I was so disappointed, even though I'd set out to run four hours at the start. So I think, if, but if I'd have set out maybe saying, right, okay, A goes 3.45, B goes whatever, C goes four, I would have maybe cut myself a bit of slack in a day. It's just so bonkers how everyone's mind's channeled a bit differently. And I think yeah. that's a good, that is a good thing. But I've got a lot of friends that are, doing calf marathons this kind of summer and some of them are like oh I need to do it at this time or a lot of people are just like they just do not care about time was the marathon that didn't go well was that London am I yeah my first London yeah yeah do you want to talk about that so what had happened was so I did Edinburgh and then obviously straight after the Edinburgh marathon I decided I wanted to qualify for Boston because <laughs> that's what you do in your second marathon. And I was dead set on, I'm, I'm doing this no matter what, like, that's it. So Alison and I had signed up for Manchester and then we did all the training. We went into our taper and then it got cancelled because of COVID. We then signed up for Liverpool, then Blackpool. We kept saying, oh, there'll be another one. Oh, it'll come back up. So effectively what ended up happening was... Alison and I ended up training for about five back-to-back marathon <laughs> cycles that none of them actually happened. Okay, so um, I, I think I was completely knackered, to be honest. Um, but we ran we ran a virtual marathon, I think it was just a year after COVID. And I ran that, I was injured for six weeks before it. So I went out with no expectations. Alison and I run it virtually, chatted the whole way around, literally sailed around it and came in like 3.33, 43.00. Right, which I was delighted with. I had no idea I was running at that pace. 
So my first London marathon, my goal was 3.29 and the Boston qualifier time is 3.35. So that was my beagle. But in my head, my training had went really well. I'd PB'd all the way up to mm-hmm. everything was fine. And in my head, I'm thinking the year before, well, if I sail down in 3.33 and I've got another year's training, so like 3.29's in the bag, right? So I was, I was actually really confident. Um, I slept well the night before. Everything was fine. There was like no issues at all, no injuries, nothing. And I remember speaking to my coach in the morning of London um, at the start line. She was also running. She was like, you've got this, this is fine. And I remember thinking, obviously I was nervous, right? Because I was running my first London Marathon. But I remember thinking... No, I, I do. Like, I'm pretty confident. And then I started running, and by mile two, I'd, like, completely fallen apart. I just, I, I have no idea what happened. I was working, and I mean, like, I felt like I was running at 5K pace flat out, and I was thinking, hang, and I hadn't went out too fast. I'd went out bang on pace, and I'm thinking, oh, some, something's wrong. Is this delayed nerves? So you start playing all the mind games and I'm like, right, okay, just hold this to 5K. It'll be fine. It's just nerves. And then I got to 5K. Nope, still working. And I went on and on. And then you won't even believe me when I tell you this. Got to my LA and I was still struggling. And a woman tried to cross a London marathon with a suitcase, like pull a suitcase. So she clipped the man that was running directly to the left of me and he's fell and tumbled into me. So I took a fall. I didn't go right down, but it was enough. You know, you do that little hop, jump, try and keep yourself on your feet. And I felt something like like pulling my calf. I thought, great, I'm already working really hard here and, and now I've got a calf niggle. Kept going. And honestly, I got to mile 12 and I'm thinking, this is getting worse. Like, I'm not settling into any kind of pace here. And the whole race, my left calf then started going. Both of them were niggling and I'm thinking, what is going on? And then by the time I got to mile 15, I was just in utter agony. I felt like I was running flat out at like 1K pace. I I just, I couldn't, I couldn't, it felt like I couldn't hold it anymore. Both calves were in agony. And it got to the point where I'd started, you know, instantly scanning the side for appropriate points to just leave because I thought, enough like I can't actually do this anymore and I realized I didn't actually know where I was I didn't even think I had the energy to jump over the barriers and actually stopping and walking to the end was going to take even longer so I may as well just keep my legs moving because the pain was so bad and then I think by about mile 19 I couldn't even get any more water because the pain in my legs was so bad I just and I couldn't even I couldn't even move to the side to get water. Every time I felt like I was, you know, coming out of my natural flow, I could feel my calves like popping. So at that point, I'd just completely given up all hope of all A, B, C, and D goals. And it was literally just one foot in front of the other. And I remember counting in my head, just one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, keep your legs moving. And then so I still had a really long way to go. And then I remember like seeing people with water and medals. And being like, I've crossed the finish. And I had no idea. I was like completely, completely gone, completely zoned out. I didn't see Big Ben, the palace, not like absolutely nothing. I don't remember miles of the race, like absolutely nothing. And then I stumbled up and I seen Alison and she was standing there covered in blood. And the both of us were just burst out laughing at each other. It was just, she'd fallen at the finish line as well. It was just one of those days um, and then my husband literally had to come and like 
picked me up off the ground and fireman carried me straight to the pub because I literally couldn't even walk. Like my legs were, were so bad. And and actually then I got the text. Like I had no idea time-wise because I'd completely given up. And, and I got the text and I ran 3.33. So I got my Boston qualifier and I had no idea. That is not how I thought that story was going to finish. I couldn't believe it. I was like looking at it thinking, oh my God, like, is this right? And I was like checking it and then checking my Strava. And I was like, I actually can't, I can't believe that's happened. Because in my head, I was thinking that was five hours. <laughs> that's what it felt like. Honestly, I've been running for five days. <laughs> honestly, I felt, I felt that long. Oh my God, no, that honestly, that is just not how I expected that story to, to end. It was crazy. So it was like, I had a really horrible marathon, but then it was like, oh my God, celebrations, I've made the Boston time. And Alice and I were like, right, straight bottles of Prosecco, yeah, let's celebrate. And uh, yeah, so it, it completely it completely switched the day from like, you know, how, how I initially thought it was going to end. But it just shows you, right? So in a marathon, even if you think it's going really, really badly, don't pack it in, just keep your legs moving. It's all yeah. you need just keep your legs moving because you, you, you never know I don't think I've got to a distance yet that I've got to that part that I can imagine you really really have to get in your head to keep going and thinking when is it going to get to that point maybe it's into the 30s or the top end of the 20s that you're like right this is beginning to get sore yeah. when am I going to get to that wall but the thing is, you've just said, you could get your wall, you could hit it two miles in. Or not hit it at all. So when I ran when I ran Boston, when I ran York, didn't hit any wall. And people always say to you, oh, that 20-mile wall. So it gets in your head and it got in my head in the first marathon. So I would be looking at my watch thinking, oh, it's coming, it's coming. It's so different. It depends on so many things like that. I've hit the wall at two miles. I've had marathons where I've smiled, sailed, laughed the whole the whole way through it. It just depends, honestly. And I know it's probably not not helpful because, you know, you, you kind of like to know what to expect. But I think if you've done the training and everything's went well, generally, most of it should should feel okay. And it is true. It does feel like a 20-mile warm-up for a six-mile race. It does very much feel like that. But it's a different pain. I mean, I would, I would run a marathon any day over racing a 10K, like 100%. That's so strange. I, t- I mean, 10Ks and 5Ks are utter hell I would rather run a marathon I hope that I feel that way about a marathon I really do (laughs) it's one of those huge build-ups and I think because I'm documenting the the process of going through it I think about this marathon all the bloody time yeah and do you know what though see the whole process and what you're talking about I actually think I enjoy the training more than the race sometimes I've See, when I'm not, like, see right now, because everyone's marathon training for London and stuff, I feel really left out. Like, <laughs> I'm really missing it. But I promised myself I would only do one marathon a year because, you know, it, it does, like, it, it ends up, it's all consuming, right? It's really, really difficult to keep doing more than that. But I actually really miss the process now and, and all the training leading up to it. You just you just get more out of it, I feel, than, than you do with any other distance. Why did you promise yourself only one? Well, I think I was probably heading for a divorce, number one, because it's just marathon after marathon. Um, and it does, like, it takes up, I'm obviously, I've got a little one, it takes up a lot of time at the weekend. It was continually, you know, every Saturday or Sunday having to disappear for two or three hour runs. And I try and go really early in the morning to try and minimise that. But also, my husband started marathon running now as well. 
So before it was just me, but now the two of us are trying to juggle getting long runs in at the weekend, spending time together. So it's really difficult. And and also it's it wasn't sustainable. So for a couple of years there, I was doing like two marathons a year and, and you're almost doing back-to-back marathon training cycles constantly. Your body needs a break. You burn out. And t- if I'm really honest, I think that's what happened to me with London. I think I was completely burnt out and my body's just been like, enough. This is too much. Because it is, it is hard and you don't want to half-arse the training. No, absolutely not. Because you, you, you can't, right? You can't half-arse marathon training. I, I, every other distance, you can wing your way through it. You can't because you'll get found out at marathon day and it's really not worth it. So you, you, you really need to put the work in and I, I don't like missing runs and I, I do like to like give it full effort. I'm quite an extreme person. It's either like 100% or it's, it's nothing. So... Yeah, I don't think I would ever do a marathon and just be like, oh, I'll just do a couple of long. Even though I think like if I really had to, could I run one at the weekend? Yes, probably. But I, I wouldn't like to do it without putting that effort in. It's too big a distance, right? And it's too much pressure in your body to not do it properly. If you don't finish the race in the way that you would maybe have wanted to, if you've half-arsed the training, you really don't have a leg to stand on. Exactly. If I get across the line and I'm not happy with the time, I think I'm well in my right to feel that way. Yes. It is a lot. I'm learning quickly that it's back to back upwards of 20 kilometres. Exactly. It's like nothing now, doesn't it? It's like, you know, when you, you don't realise when you speak to other people, someone says, oh, did you go out and run this morning? I was like, oh yeah, but it was only 14 miles and people are like, all right okay and it just because it just it ends up becoming the norm right and but you you forget that it's actually got quite a big impact on your body so I think for a while as well I was like doing 14 15 right up to 20 mile runs at like six in the morning then running to soft play swimming doing all these things and be like why am I knackered don't know how people do it a nine to five job has got to be the hardest thing yeah it is it's 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 near impossible sometimes and I've I've got into the habit now. I just go. I just go early morning, and if it doesn't happen, then it's it's not happening because you're feeling really guilty as well. If if you're taking time away from them after work, it's just dinners, baths, beds, washing, ironing. You, you never get a minute, and then at the weekend you want to spend time with them. So I think for me, the only time is getting it done first thing in the morning, which I'm actually really enjoying now, and I'm in the swing of it. But what I do really miss is running with people, running with groups, because that really, really brings you on. So see being able to go and doing sessions with people. I mean, to be honest, I'm I'm quite strict and quite disciplined. I'll always give and and I can actually tell now. So the, the paces that my coach puts in my app, I know she's putting a slower pace in because she knows there's no way I'm aiming for that. Like I'll always try and like run a bit faster. But I feel like when I go and run with other people because that competitive side comes out, it really does bring you on. So that's probably the downside of it. It's um, I, I would definitely say running with people, especially doing sessions and having someone to chase is is really, really beneficial. So I do miss that side of things. But yeah, it's just, it's hard trying to fit it in. But you know what? It's, it's like anything. See, once you actually start doing it and you just like work it into a habit and a way of life, you don't really think about it anymore. It's, it's kind of almost like scheduled in like a work meeting. I've got one opportunity a day to go a run. And that, that happens, you know, I'm ready, it's, it's planned for. Whereas I feel like before I had my little one, I keep thinking, what was I doing with my time for a start? 
why was I using excuses and saying I didn't have time to go running? And I think it was just the whole procrastination, especially if, oh, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it after I do this. I'll do it after I do this. Whereas now it's just like you're running at 6 a.m. at this time, this session, end of story. That's it. It's, it's almost like a work meeting and it's over and done with. And it's just it's just the way you need to be. So you can you make it work. I have coached mums over the last few years and I would always hear from them that it's so hard pre-baby, it's everything's about you to make that transition and still do that thing you love. You do have to make sacrifices. No, it's exactly right. It's because, to be honest, I think I've been a lot happier since you set aside and I know not everyone's lucky to have, I mean, my husband's here in the morning and I'm lucky that he's here that I can get out and run and be back before he goes. But you need that hour. It's the only hour that you've got on your own, in your own head, to clear your head, you know, like just set up for the day. And I'd actually said to my husband, it was one day last week, I didn't go my run in the morning. I can't remember why. I think I was just feeling a bit unwell. I didn't go and I totally noticed a difference in my mood when I was getting ready for drop-off. I was just get more frustrated, more wound up, you know, and I was just thinking, I was thinking that that's that's exactly why. I feel like now it's like you, you need it as your own headspace, you know, just to clear, because you don't get any other time to yourself and you don't feel like yourself. You are literally just that person's mum. Like we were laughing about it at the school gates all the morning because I realised that I didn't even know half the people's names. I've just got them on my phone as their child's mum. Like, that's them. Like, that's your identity now. So, uh, yeah, I, I just, I think doing something for yourself. And I spoke to a lot of mums, and, and it's exactly the same. It just gives you that hour escape away doing something um, on your own. But with it does come, does come the guilt, the guilt as well, which is why I just try and get it over and done with in the morning as soon as possible and hopefully try and be back before, before she's out of bed and she even notices that I'm away. I know a lot of people use running as their kind of mental escape. And if if you cannot get out and do that run when you so desire it, sometimes I'm like, do you know what? I'm in an absolute belter of a mood. Yeah. Get your trainers on and just take yourself outside. And I'm very lucky to be able to do that at, at most times. However, not everyone can. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people do use running for that. Yeah, yeah and then you do, because I, I know it's a big change. Like, especially if I'm injured or something nobody wants to be around me it's just I, I know I, I, I'm impossible to live with it just does just makes me feel like a completely a completely different person and I, I don't what I don't understand is when I speak to other people I'm like what do you do if you don't run like how do you not like go insane because I feel like it's the only thing that would like level me out and just you know make me feel sane every day I said, just just to give you that hour, just a complete headspace. Doesn't even need to be a hard run, you know. Um, just a bit of space, time, clarity to think yourself, music on. It, so it can become it can become something you're really dependent on as well. So should probably get another hobby for uh, when I can't run. And I don't get that from when I've tried going to the gym and going to, and I just I don't get the same feeling. I just don't like it. I just, I, I don't get the same feeling that I do get with running. And I'm sure other people do, especially especially when you're out there on your own and, and you're just listening to your music. I just, there's nothing. I have tried loads of other things and I've tried to even do things like yoga or that. And I just, I don't get the same, I don't get the same feeling. It is, it is a special thing. Not always been like that. I mean, I would say when I first started running, I didn't. I probably hated every moment of it. But I think if you stick with it, 
it gets to a point where something clicks and then all of a sudden you can't do without it. Did you have one of those runs? I know you said that once you started training a little bit with more purpose behind it, you started to enjoy it a bit more. But is there any like runs or a certain time in your running journey that you can remember thinking, I am really enjoying putting one foot in front of the other here? Yeah, uh, yeah, I've had loads of runs like that. I am still still have loads of crap runs, don't get me wrong. I had a pretty crap run on Sunday where I just... And you'll get, you'll get this, especially with marathon training, you're doing a lot of distance, right? You get good ones and bad ones. But yeah, I've had, I've had loads of runs where... Yeah, I've just just absolutely loved it. I spent, I think I had a run actually in the lead up to York last year. It was a 20-mile run. And my husband and I decided to do a half marathon race at the end. So we said we'd do a seven-mile warm-up and then do the half marathon. Literally just to break up the 20-mile run. That was the plan. It was just, let's just break up the 20-mile run. And I just absolutely loved it and just settled into a pace. And then I ended up at the end of the half marathon, running a half marathon PB, which was completely unintentional. And I wasn't even looking at my, my watch. I was just loving the running. I, I wasn't bored about pace. As I said, it was just a long run. And yeah, it's like days like that where it just like feels really effortless and it all comes together and you're just really, really enjoying it. And I think you run better. See, when you just allow yourself to kind of settle into it and actually enjoy it, you do run a lot better as well because you're not so tense and not so worked up. I'm an obsessive watch checker. I have heard that, Kirsten. Yes. <laughs> I have heard it. I actually am going to dob you in a little bit here because we were both at the Winter Walmart in Glasgow several weeks ago. And if anyone doesn't know, you, you end up passing people, don't you, quite a lot. Um, I think you were looking at your watch most oh, times. <laughs> So again, that was another one where I'd started and I thought, so it was the start, so I'm doing Edinburgh half, so I'll be there the day you're doing your marathon, I'll be there cheering on. Um, so this was the start of my like 16 week block for the Edinburgh marathon. So I was like, I'll just do the half marathon, see where I'm at, and then like see how it goes. But then as I started running, it was one of the runs, I'm thinking, well, I'm feeling really good here, and this doesn't normally happen, so... And then I was just like, right, that's it. Just put your foot down and keep running. So then I was like, watch my watch and just, you know, just determined to um, get get a good time. And I didn't actually go to the race with that intention at all. And then uh, the competitiveness just uh, completely took over. For anyone who doesn't follow you on Instagram, you are incredibly quick. You are very fast. You've called yourself an average runner on your Instagram and that's probably what you what you genuinely believe. I think it's just those accounts and those people's stories that starts as what you would call a completely average runner to then when I'm passing you in the winter warmer and you're like right up the front. That's so inspiring to watch for me. It's one of those ones that you're like, when you look through your story from the beginning to where you are now, it's one of those ones for me personally that I'm like, I could maybe do that. That's really kind. Um yeah, I know what you mean, because I, I used to always, when I'd started my page, I'd started it more to kind of follow other mother runners, because I was thinking, like, oh, can I even run or get faster? Like, do mums even do this? Like, or am I, you know, wasting my time here? Um, so that's what I kind of started it for. And I'd seen a couple of examples of other people that had made, like, really great progress, and I was thinking, oh, that would never happen to me. Like, I could never do that. People were like, yeah, you can, yeah, you can. And I was thinking, oh, not really. But then actually, it's weird that happens, but like you say, that like you've looked back, right? Whereas 
I think when you're in the moment and I think when you're really competitive, you, you don't look back. Whereas when I look back now, if I really think about it, like the, the times where like my marathon pace now is faster than I, the pace I was struggling to run a 5K at after I had my daughter, right? So if somebody had told me then, you know, this pace that you can't run a 5K at, you'll be running a marathon at that one day, I would have, you know, fallen off my chair laughing, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And sometimes I do like still, but Alison got me like a lovely picture for the Yorkshire Marathon, my time on it. And sometimes I still like look at it and so I'm like, I can't believe that's my time. It doesn't like seem like mine. Do you know what I mean? Like it doesn't like seem real. And that's, yeah, sometimes, so sometimes now, like see, especially if I'm talking to other mums and they're like, oh, how's your running going? And then they're like, oh, I could never do that. And it's so frustrating because I'm like, yes, you can. You can 100%, like, trust me, like, if, if I can do it, anybody, I've got no natural talent whatsoever. I'm not naturally, you know, lean like a runner's body. Still got a mum tongue. Like, it's like, I can do it. Like, literally anybody in the world can do it. Do you know what I mean? It just frustrates me when other pe- when I can see other people with that lack of confidence that I had at the start, you know? Yeah, it's it weird when you think back. But now, like, I'm one of the people that's moved on and I'm like, no, I've already decided what the next thing is. And you, it is, it's so hard. You never look back properly, do you? No, and I feel like that makes for such a special story and that's that's why I wanted you on because it's so good, it's so good to look at and it's really, it's inspiring. Like I say, I know I keep saying that word, but it and it is and I feel like I knew just by talking to you that someone saying that you inspire them is probably like, what? <laughs> Genuinely you do and that's what's great about the podcast is I have so many amazing, inspiring people coming on it, but... I think you more so because it gives me like a little boost. It's it's definitely doable. It's achievable. And you need that sometimes. Totally. Yeah. And you can 100% do it. I remember before, I think I think before I had my little one, I signed up for like two or three marathons. And then, to be honest, just completely chickened out. I like got so far with the training and I was like, eh, I can't do this. Like, absolutely not. Like, there's no chance I can do this. So, yeah, you can absolutely and you, you can make it, it. It's amazing once you start and doing the back to back training blocks as well. You'll be amazed at how much endurance that gives you. If you just keep at it, I think just being consistent is probably the most important thing. And if you do love it, it's, it's easy to be consistent, right? When you love it. So, yeah, you honestly, you totally can do it and, and you'll definitely see some massive improvements. I'm excited to see the rest of your journey on it. It's so nerve-wracking because people keep saying that to me now. You're under pressure. Yeah, I'll be there at Edinburgh. I'll see you. I'll see you. I'll be there when you finish. And I'm going, well, I fucking hope I do finish. <laughs> I hope I do. Yeah, or you'll have Alison like, coming, like, shouting at you angrily to get you over the line. Uh, yeah, I can honestly see that. She said she's had a stern talking to me about my mindset and things and she never wants to hear me be negative about it again and, and that's so true it's I get it I don't know if you've ever felt the same as this but while I'm training for this marathon I feel like my marathon training is a really lonely process and that's a strange thing for me to say because obviously I have run clubs I've got my own run club I come to the press play and run run club I know people that I can chat to about it however my running I do all by myself a lot of the time because I don't have anyone running at the same time goal as me so we are not running the same distances and times and then on the other end of the spectrum I have 
people a lot quicker than me. So I also can't run with them. So I was feeling it's a bit lonely, actually. Yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, so I'd probably do like 95% of my training completely alone. What I found made a big difference to me last year was, and I hadn't actually done this in previous years, I actually signed up for loads of smaller races as part of my training. So what I would try and do was like every second week, if I had a long run, I would try and like throw in a 10k or a hat like in the middle so that I was like running with people. Like even if it's not part of a run, so you always have somebody to run with then. Um, and I did find that made a big difference. But the rest of my training, yeah, I can feel I can feel pretty lonely on it sometimes, if I'm honest especially if you're doing early morning and, and on your own. And it's difficult as well just to, like you say, because what you don't want to do is, like, you can run with someone, but you don't want to hold them back. So, like, I could tell on Sunday I was running with a couple of people and I knew that I had to, like, pull back the pace because I was running too quick. And you're chatting to someone and you don't want them to not get what they need out their run. Do you know what I mean? Exactly, yeah. It's it's really hard. So I think it, I think it can be a lonely a lonely process and a lot of the time when you're doing group events and when when I used to go and train with Shettleson it was very much focused at shorter distances so actually the training sessions weren't very relevant to me for doing marathon training so I had no choice but to go out and do them on your own but I think I think it does get easier over time I think I found the first marathon training block because the longer runs were more difficult so I would say I remember doing my 20 mile long run on my first marathon training block and I was dead after it, like literally couldn't get up off the couch, right? I was really struggling and I found the run really, really difficult. Whereas now to go out and do a 20 mile training run, I really enjoy it. So actually I don't mind doing it on my own. Yeah. I think it, I suppose it can be lonely, but just stick with that. I think it's probably because A, you're lonely and B, a lot of it's unknown just now because you're kind of moving into an area where you've never been before. Yeah, and I feel like every run that that's a new distance, and I'm already thinking <laughs> alone, twenty seven kilometers alone. If I come back from a twenty four kilometer run, I say like, oh, I've just ran twenty four k. My mum would congratulate me if I ran down to the bottom of the street and back. Do you know? Yeah, that that's absolutely fine. But that's what I mean, like where it's quite a lonesome process sometimes. Totally. I get, and yeah, my, my family are pretty much the same. Like, my mum's very, like, if I do part run and I ask her to watch my daughter, if, like, I go part run, I'll come in, she'll be like, oh, how was your wee marathon here? And I'm like, oh, my God, it's just, you know, it's a run. Like, it doesn't mean anything, like, whatsoever. So yeah. I get that. It can be, it's really hard when your friends aren't, which is, I think, why Instagram's great, right? Because, like, like you, like, none of my friends were interested in running before. So I've managed to meet other people that are more into it, which, and and even actually just, it's finding people, and probably Instagram is the way to do it, right, in your local area, that you can even meet for part, part of your run. So what I would do is, like, if I had a long run, just agree to, like, run down to someone's house, meet them, even if they want to do 5K of it with me, and then run, and it kind of breaks up your run a little bit as well when it doesn't actually feel that long. So doing things like that, but you do really need to try and find someone in your local area because, so I've got friends that I can run with, but they probably stay quite far away. And by the time I've factored in driving there, meeting someone, a three-hour run, this, that, 
like, oh, I can't spend my whole day running. No. Um, oh. It's difficult. So, yeah, finding some people in your local area that, that can even, like, break up or do a party or run with you. Yeah. But obviously everyone's on their own plan. So I might be doing a pace and then at some point it needs to get quicker or slower or what. So it is, it's a very supportive sport, however, very individual at the same time. I can just imagine showing up on the marathon day and there being hundreds upon hundreds of people. However, as soon as you cross the start line, it's that individual sport. And that's, I think, I think that's why I like it so much as well, actually, because I always found like, doing gym type activities, you're then restricted around other people's routines or a time. It's like, it's more flexible, right? You can flex it around your life, but also get that community side of it if you want. So like on Sunday, I probably ran with people for half the run. And then to be really honest, I was having a a bad run and I actually just wanted to run on my own for a bit and zone out. But yeah, I, and I, I completely get that. It is, it is a... It is a community and a, and a very individual sport. That is why it's so good, because it can be both. It's the best thing that I've ever started doing, hands down. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah, I honestly don't know what I would do without it. Yeah, and it's, that feels so strange for me to say that, because <laughs> honestly, God, you would never have thought it. You only get it until you get it. 100%. And then I find though, a lot of people that start running, so I know a couple of friends that have maybe like started running and they've been like, oh, I absolutely hated that. How do you enjoy that? And then when you actually ask them what they did, they went out and like tried to run a 10K full pelt for their first run. And I'm like, mm, well, that's why you absolutely hated it. You know, yeah. <laughs> like that's that's why. But I think like if you're not in that type of community or don't like have that knowledge or, you know, someone to kind of help you along the way, it's really difficult. I was quite lucky. I, I did have some people that were into it that, that, that could help me with that um, because it is intimidating joining clubs and, and turning up to these things on your own. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think you need to stick with it and you need to do it, do it properly and uh, eventually you'll end up addicted to it like the rest of us. Yeah, you know, I'm like a sponge when I meet people like you and I remember chatting to you about my nutrition and things and the advice that you gave me is something that I started doing in terms of like my gels and I've got the cheaper ones for the training the more expensive ones for the racing but that is something that I've, I took on board used and then it worked that's what it's all about and you need to have those conversations to to learn good and that that is that is a challenging thing with the marathon as well isn't it it's like it's not just the training it's not there's all this other stuff that you need to think about yeah and try and nail and practice like I remember like before my husband was doing it like things I would do the night before with food and this and he's like what the hell are you doing and I'm like well I need to practice like the night before meal you know before the you know everything needs to I mean, I suppose it doesn't need to be like I'm probably a bit more obsessive around it than I should be. But uh, yeah, there is a lot more to factor in with the marathon, which is quite good if you've got a community like Instagram where you can learn from each other. Yeah, I just put out a question I'm like, help me. <laughs> what should I do about this? And I'll get such a wide variety of people hanging up with different suggestions. And that is why this has just been the best thing and I've said it once and I'll say it again there can't be anyone at Edinburgh Marathon running their first marathon who's been in a better position than me because of this podcast and my Instagram and being the novice runner and asking all you guys like what do I need to do very grateful very very grateful yeah and it's because most of us have all like 
made the mistakes already. <laughs> you know, we know what not to do as well. Yeah, I'll still make my own mistakes, but there are little things that I can now avoid. <laughs> like, yeah. even like the very, very superficial things, like things to organise on race day and make sure you go to the toilet before you get to the start line of Edinburgh Marathon because you will be queuing for five hours. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's it silly little things, you know, my husband ended up not finishing that winter warmer and he wasn't feeling great. But I think part of it was like, he's he's not the most organised person, right? And then he went to like put his earphones and stuff on in the day and his earphones were broke. And it, and I think like everything was just like, oh my God, like, and everything just like spiralled. He's like, oh, I can't do this. I've not, not, you know, it's like stupid little things like that, like checking things are charged. Yeah. don't need updates like the last thing you want to do is be like standing in the start line of a marathon and go to flick your music on and it's like needs an update and you're like oh my god you know like it's just yeah you would never think about that now it's like on my list to check all these things before i even get out the door in the morning so so you didn't not finish because you were maybe beating them well i think that might have been a fact as well we'll not tell him that no well, i hope he doesn't listen but that's where my mind went <laughs> I think this takes us to my golden questions. I ask every guest the same five questions at the end of every episode. So are you up for answering those? Yeah. Let's get started on those. The first question is, could you please recommend to me a product in and around the running scene that you like just now? So I'll probably say the one thing that I couldn't do without is my Aftershocks headphones, or shocks as they're called now. So they're like the bone conducting ones, and they've been like totally game changing. If you like your music and you're into it, like for a couple of things, safety, like when you're out and about, you can still hear cars, people around about you, and also in race day, there's always that debate, do you listen to music or soak up the atmosphere? You can literally do both of those so easily. Um, so yeah. Definitely the, the shocks headphones. No one's ever recommended headphones, which I thought would have, I'd have got quite a lot. Yeah, oh, honestly, they're, they're they're brilliant. I'm on my my second pair now. Um, I would get the lighter ones. There's ones that are slightly lighter, so they feel a bit more comfortable on. But yeah, they're brilliant. That's a good one. Okay, question number two is: What is your post run guilty pleasure? Right. So the guilty one, right? Not the good one. I hope I, I always crave like like a beef burger after like I, I, it's something that I wouldn't normally, but I always it must be my body's deficient and like at that point and you know whatever and and a uh, and a beer. I love that. Yeah, I can picture you with a burger and a beer. To be fair, yeah, <laughs> always a burger and a beer after a marathon. That is no, I can see it. Not prosecco and pizza. Your burger and beer. Yes, and then I might move on to prosecco, but that's another story. <laughs> Double park yourself. <laughs> okay, number three is, can you recommend to me a podcast to listen to? I won't be biased because you'll probably have that a few times. So I used to listen to the Ramblin' Runner podcast all the time. It's an American podcast, but I quite like that. They had quite a lot of, because I guess like you say, a lot of the kind of other bigger podcasts have got elite athletes on it. And then, you know, not really living the same lifestyle as us so it's quite difficult to compare or um you know just find something relatable um but yeah I think some of some of his early podcasts um he had like average everyday runners on which um was quite good I've listened to that one before it's a good one yeah okay question number four 
is a piece of expert advice for people running their first marathon? Oh, there's so there's so much, isn't there? Honestly, uh, for your first one, I would just enjoy the experience. Um, for someone that's ruined so many of her own races through being so fixated on a number, which doesn't matter, right? Because at the end of the day, you've run your first marathon, it's going to be a PB anyway. I would honestly say just try and like immerse yourself in the experience and enjoy it. And the goal should just be to finish. That is the ultimate advice. That's the one that sticks in my head when I'm training. You know, got to enjoy it. Absolutely. Right. Question number five is a scenario based one. So you're about to set off on a 30 kilometre run and in your vest, you can only take water and one other thing. What would that one other thing be? My phone. Because, well, I could just play my music out the speakers and I am always like having an accident, falling, something happening. So, yeah, purely for safety, my phone. Alison tried to ruin that question. Yep. <laughs> she was like oh but you could just pop into a shop and I was like that stop being like yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought that you'd maybe be in cahoots and then you'd have found another way around this question <laughs> no definitely oh, well to be fair yeah because you can use your phone for your money and everything but yeah I, honestly I've had to use my phone so many times and I'm out and I run like for somebody to come pick me up because this has happened or, or something else yeah I believe that from seeing you hit the deck yeah, yeah, that's happened a lot. And, and you know what? Like, didn't even face you. No, just bounce back up, keep running. I know. I think it was almost as if you had fallen like three times already. Like, you just, oh, no, again, no, again. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that's all of the uh, the golden questions, and that concludes our episode. And I feel like this has been so good. I knew it would be. I knew it would be. And I feel like I don't even know why you were nervous at the beginning. I know. It's just, it's just they're really nerve wracking these things. But yeah, no, thank you. No, you really made me feel at ease. And um, yeah, I've really enjoyed chatting to you. So yeah. Everything that you've said, I will, like I say, soak it up like a sponge. And I'm sure everyone who listens as well will be absolutely the same so thank you so 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 much for coming on I appreciate it so much because I know you're a busy woman no worries not anytime yeah and if you need anything else any anything else you want to chat about running I'm always up for chatting don't say it Kirsten because you'll have a million a million voice notes from like help me thank you to all the amazing listeners who chose to invest their time in today's episode if you like what you heard please make sure to follow or subscribe to the podcast leave a rating and review and most importantly, recommend the podcast to friends and family. To keep updated, head over to the podcast Instagram profile, at The Girls Run Club. But for now, I thank you again for tuning in, and look forward to seeing you next time on The Girls Run Club.